Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and it's October 7th, 2020, and we're listening to Jordan Maxwell. I'm so sorry. I called him Jordan Peterson, and it's a long story because I've been studying Jordan Jordan Peterson, so I had him on my mind. Anyhow, um, and then I got a call, so it cut off. So I'm going to restart it. This will be part three. Jordan Maxwell. by any other throughout the building. The conclusion is reached that the stone occupies the summit of the building, where it is placed at the crossing, completing the stone of the edifice. From the earliest times, Palestine has been intimately connected with Egypt. If we approach this quarter, evidence will soon accumulate that our assumption of discovering here the possible home of the cornerstone is correct. We shall be led to the conclusion by the application of a very simple but wholly expected architectural principle. Mm-hmm. We refer to the pyramid on one hand of the obelisk. There, it, you know, we just go on and on with these quotes. Again, it's clearly the function of the prophet directed our attention it applies to a pyramidion par excellence. We go on and on and on. Exploration, expository times. We go on and on, and we see that it's always saying the same thing, that the, that the symbol from the Messiah is an apex, a pyramidion, a pyramid at the top. That's why it's on the dollar bill. And I hope you're not getting bored, because i got a lot more of this coming. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. It's coming to an end. I know it's so boresome, but I'm making the point that all of the reference work in the world say the same thing that the Messiah is actually the triangle on top of a pyramid, Christ the cornerstone. We will zip through some of this because it's just, here it is, here's an interesting quote from a book called Christian Words by Nigel Turner. Christian Words by Nigel Turner under the heading of cornerstone says corner foundation stone or peak of the pyramid. So we're seeing that the chief cornerstone is a symbol for the Messiah. Cornerstone can be used to represent just the bottom of the building. But chief cornerstone is a triangle on top of the pyramid, which represents in Hebrew, the Messiah. In Christianity, Jesus. And that's from all of the reference works of the world say the same thing. Now, why is it on an American dollar bill? And therefore, Novas Ordo Cyclorum, the new order of the ages, what is the implication for this Illuminati symbol that comes directly out of the Bible? Is there something going on here that we haven't been told? There's a whole story here yet to be told. New Testament studies, I'm going to run through these real quick. Here is the top of the stone as a pinnacle of the building. A pinnacle, a relatively small upright structure commonly terminating in a gable or a pyramidal cone. So the pinnacle, there is the pinnacle of the temple, a triangle at the top. 
Here are Masons, many years ago in the 1800s, working on the Washington Monument. And here they are putting the pinnacle, the chief cornerstone, on the Washington Monument. There it is. The pinnacle, chief cornerstone, represents Messiah. It represents Jesus, the highest spiritual, intellectual, enlightenment. And here's the scripture I was telling you about before. Then the devil, it says in the scriptures, then the devil took Jesus, took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now we know pinnacle means the point. Pinnacle of the temple. What temple? Solomon's temple in Jerusalem? Did Solomon's temple have a pinnacle? No. Solomon's temple did not have a pinnacle. Here is a picture of the layout of Solomon's temple from the Jewish Encyclopedia. Here it is a little bit uh, enlarged. The ground plan of Solomon's temple. This is very important. You should listen to this. Here is Solomon's temple. Do you know what Solomon's temple actually in Jerusalem represents? This is, you may be able to understand it better here. Solomon's temple actually is, represents the male within the female. Okay? Solomon's temple is a sexual symbol that has been ancient, ancient world new. Solomon's temple in Jerusalem is a very ancient temple that was a temple to sex. Now let me explain something to you. During the early Middle Ages, um, the Pope in Rome decided he wanted to start something that we today call the Crusades. He was going to send the Knights Templars, the Masonic Order of Knights Templars, into Jerusalem to throw out the uh, the infidels and the Islamics and all of the other infidels, kick them out of Jerusalem and bring Jerusalem back under Rome's domination. So the Pope sent the Knights Templars, the Masonic Order of Knights Templars, who were a military order under the Catholic Church. And the general who was in charge of the troops, his name was Solomon Bar Isaac. Solomon Bar Isaac was the general who led the troops in the Crusades. After Solomon Bar Isaac, with his Knights Templars, were able to uh, be victorious in their war against the Islamics and banish them out and kick them out of Jerusalem, Solomon Bar Isaac then uh, contacted the Pope and said, For my doing your will, I now have a request of you. I want the Dome of the Rock. The Islamic Dome of the Rock is my home. I think this is something you can do for me. Say to the world that this is my home, that I own it. And the Pope says, okay, it's your home, you can have it. So consequently, Solomon Bar Isaac now moved into what we call the Dome of the Rock, and that was his new home, the highest-ranking Masonic Knights Templar general. And therefore, it became known as Solomon's Temple. No, it's Solomon Bar Isaac, the Knights uh, Templar General, not King Solomon. There was no King Solomon. There was no Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was no Moses. None of these people of the Old Testament existed, but there was a Solomon Bar Isaac in the Middle Ages who took over the temple of the, of the, of the Dome of the Rock, and it became known as Solomon's Temple. 
Can you picture this and get your brain wrapped around the concept that you've got a world of Jews standing there praying at Solomon's temple, Mm -hmm. and the more they pray, the more blood is spilled. The more violence and, and bloodshed builds each day. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And the more they pray, the worse it gets. And Christians all over the world are praying to God's Son, the light of the world. And they have no idea what they're praying to. They have no concept of the world of what they're praying to. And consequently, all of the evil is winning. Good people are losing. Jews and Christians are losing. Knights, Templars, Masonic, Freemasons are winning. They're controlling the world. Why? Because we're worshiping the wrong God. Because we don't understand what the symbols mean. Because we we walk right past the truth sitting right in front of us and end up worshiping something that the Knights Templars have given us to worship. And therefore, we haven't got the faintest idea in the world what's going on. Solomon's Temple was nothing but a sexual symbol. Get past it and get over it. Consequently, you will see there's another picture of Solomon's Temple. Does that tell you something or what? Here, we have a temple of sexual instruction. These are modern day temples in the... This is why even on churches today, you have something called colonnades. Colonnades represents the male phallic. This is why in Washington, D.C., you have the Washington Monument, which is a male phallic. It connects to the female ovaries, the Oval Office. Consequently, the whole concept in Washington, D.C. is based on Solomon's Temple. If you're a Mason and if you understand Masonic symbols, you know the whole thing is sex and money, control, the male domination of the world, male domination of sex and money and control. That's the name of the tomb. And unless we understand the symbolism of the pyramid, we're never going to figure out what the chief cornerstone and why it's on the dollar bill. Again... On so many churches, you will find something called a colonnade, which represents the male phallic. This is why if you're going to be a priest, you have to go to a seminary. Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. Again, what do you mean pinnacle of the temple? Well, in King Solomon, you will see Solomon is actually three different words. Saul is a Latin in the ancient Roman God personified by the sun. Saul is the Latin word for the sun. In the dictionary, it says a boy's given name, a form of Solomon. So Saul is Latin for the sun. Saul. Then Om is a holy meditation symbol in Hindu. Remember the priest of Om? The Om priest, Om is the vibration of God that creates in the Hindu. It is believed to be the immortal and exhaustible spirit of the creative God, Om. However, here it is again, in the uh, ancient Hindu, Om is the presence of God, the creator. Also, the city of On, the biblical name of Heliopolis, Heliopolis is the city of the sun in Greek. And the Greeks call that city of the sun Heliopolis. But Heliopolis was called by the ancient Egyptians 
on, O-N. This is why you flip a light switch on when you come into a building because on represents the coming of light. So you flip the light switch on. On is Heliopolis. On is the capital of Lower Egypt. It's a city. The city of Heliopolis or On. The Egyptian elements of the Joseph narrative, the city of On, On, better known by its later Greek name Heliopolis, was a center of sun worship that was famous for its obelisk. So we take the word Saul, which is the ancient god of the sun in Latin, connected to Om, which is a holy meditation symbol of God in Hindu, and On is the biblical name of Heliopolis, or the city of the sun, and it becomes Saul Om On. There was no King Solomon. There's King Saul Om On. Solomon is the three names of the sun in the three esoteric languages of the world. God's son, the light of the world, Saul Om On which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day. Consequently, the altar in the middle is the land, is the altar in the midst of the land of Egypt, and pillar at the border, and it shall be for a sign and for a witness. The holy city, the pinnacle of the temple. The bottom line on all of this is that Solomon's temple is the pyramid of Giza. It is the true ancient symbol of the presence of God. Saul Om On. Solomon's temple is the great pyramid of Giza and the symbol for Messiah in both Hebrew and Christian theology is the pyramid with the all-seeing eye, the whole entire thing. We need to understand the all-seeing eye represents the eternal watchfulness of the infinite. In the ancient Egyptian, the eye of Horus was the redeemer. The apex at the top performed 30 works of redemption for humanity. Imperfect men, incomplete without the apex of their divine nature. The all-seeing eye on the dollar bill is not situated at the top of the pyramid, but floats above it. For man has not effected his spiritual union with his material self yet. The pyramid structure represents the building of society to the gradual perfection of human endeavor crowned by the divine operation. Consequently, we're talking about as some of the of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he said, and he answered to them, I tell you that if these should hold back, if people should hold back from telling the truth, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones are the stones of the pyramid. The pyramid is the symbol for God in the presence of Egypt, the light of the world. The whole entire story is a metaphor for your personal and spiritual enlightenment. And that's what the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill means. Thank you. Okay, I think uh, that's going to be an interruption, and then it's going to continue. Um. Uh, are there any questions? Good. Okay. <laughs> no, have, have we have any questions at all? Yeah. Oh, we're going to tape it? Oh, okay. I guess they're going to hook up a mic, I guess. Okay. Thank <clears throat> you.
uh, any, any of this make any sense? Well, that's a good start. <laughs> now it might explain why it's on the dollar bill. Supposedly, America is supposed to be the place where the cheap cornerstone will reside in America, meaning the place of freedom and liberty and justice for all, where intellectual, spiritual freedom is to be set free, and we're to, you know, America was supposed to be the, the, the example to the world of what spiritual and intellectual freedom, so that the whole world would know that you come to America to be free and seek out wisdom and knowledge and climb the pyramid of success of intellectual spiritual enlightenment that's what it was supposed to be of course the banks moved in and now just make it a business amen to that yeah it's not a point that's right the, the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. The idea is that somebody took the pyramid point off the pyramid the builders rejected. So the whole idea is that the builders, whoever they were, rejected the point on the pyramid. Well, if you look in the reference work of the Bible, you'll see that builders is another word for Masonic order. The builders, they're rejected the pentacle or the cornerstone and that's why it sits above the pyramid incidentally did you know that charles tez russell the founder of jehovah's witnesses or actually he founded an organization called the is the, the i international isba international bible students association international bible students association was founded by charles tez russell in 1879 when he died in 1916, he died on Halloween night at exactly 12 midnight. How weird. Halloween night at 12 midnight, he passed away. Oh. He told Menton Sturgeon was the man who was assigned to travel with Charles Tez Russell. His name was Menton Sturgeon. He was assigned by the Watchtower Society to, to travel with the old man, Charles Tez Russell. And Charles Tez Russell had been visiting in October his personal home in San Diego and was on his way back to Philadelphia on a train. And as it went through Texas, the Watchtower Society said, as it went through Texas one evening, which was Halloween night, Charles Tez Russell got up from his uh, room and came out and told his traveling companion, Menton Sturgeon, make me a toga i am about to die i will die tonight make me a toga and a toga is a roman uh, cloth that you wrap around and throw over your shoulder and it's called a toga togas were used by the ancient romans as a symbol and the and so uh, menton sturgeon the watch show said menton sturgeon quickly got sheets from the beds and put them together and tied them around the old man and threw it over his shoulder and helped him up and he said tonight i am going to die um, and he wanted uh, everyone to see him die in a toga 
And I thought, very interesting. You know what a toga means to Freemasons? Hmm? Very interesting stuff, I think. So consequently, he died at exactly midnight, Halloween night. I thought, isn't that interesting? He dies on the eve of all hallows, mm -hmm. on the Celtic New Year. Um, what does all of that mean? Very interesting. Have you ever seen the tombstone of Charles Tess Russell in Pittsburgh? I have. I've been there. His tombstone is about eight foot, nine foot high. It's a pyramid with the capstone on it. That's the tombstone of Charles Tess Russell. The pyramid, the capstone, Charles Tess Russell, the international Bible students, um, the Watchtower Society, when it was founded, always taught that Jesus was the chief cornerstone, the triangle on top of the pyramid. Well, at least he had that right. At least he had that one right. For sure, he was right. The chief cornerstone is the symbol of Messiah. And that's what the Watchtower preached from day one, that Jesus was the triangle, the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, he was the, 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 the symbol for the Messiah, is the pyramid of Egypt. And consequently, that whole study became known as Pyramidology, and he started um, David Davidson and so many of the other Pyramidologists who really started thinking and studying it because Charles Tess Russell was a very, very uh, important man in the 1870s and 1880s, and people respected him. And if Charles Tess Russell said that the pyramid well, had something to do with Christ, well, it must must be, so they started doing research on it. So Charles Tess Russell was one of the first people who to, uh, not the very first, but one of the first people to publicly start talking about the chief cornerstone being the pinnacle of the pyramid. And my question to Jehovah's Witnesses has always been two questions. One, Jehovah's Witnesses today will teach you that no one was picked to be God's chosen people until 1914. They say that no one, God has not picked anyone to be his servants on earth until 1914. That's when Jesus comes into his possession of, of his kingdom. And then Jesus sits down and will sense. pick who he wishes on the earth to be his servants. But not until sense. 1914. Well, if that is true, which the Watchtower Society says is true, then then the Watchtower also says over and over that Charles Tez Russell was led in his work by Jehovah's Spirit. Jehovah God picked Charles Tez Russell in 1879 and led him and gave him his spirit and, and directed him. Well, how can you talk about that Jesus didn't pick anyone until 1914 if Jehovah's already picked him back in 1879? It means that God's playing favorites here. He tells the world, oh no, Jesus hasn't come into his power until 1914, and so then Jesus will pick his people. No, God picked Charles Tess Russell, you said, back in 1879. So you're just playing favorites here, huh? Well, and then the second question I have is that, all right, let us assume that Jehovah picked Charles Tess Russell, which I don't believe, but let us assume that Jehovah, the God of the universe in Hebrew, <clears throat> picked Charles Tess Russell in 1879 to be the, the, the great teacher of his work. Well, then how come, I would say to Jehovah's Witnesses, how come when Charles Tess Russell died, Halloween night, 1916, that 
that two years later, when Judge Rutherford became the second president of the One Shower Bible Tract Society, Charles Tess Russell died, his successor became president of the One Shower Society, and what was the first official act that the new president did? He took everything the One Shower Society had been teaching and said, it's all garbage, got rid of it, clean it all out, we got a whole new understanding. All of that is a bunch of hokey stuff that doesn't mean nothing. And so he wiped out everything from 1879 to 1916 to the night Charles Tess Russell died. Uh, Rutherford, Judge Rutherford, wiped it all out in one foul swoop and said the whole thing is all a bunch of malarkey. Now, I've got the real truth. Here's the real truth. And Charles Tess Russell was a good man. He did the best he could, but he didn't know from beans. So I'm saying, no, wait a minute. You mean Jehovah picked Charles Tess Russell back in 1879 and God's spirit was on Charles Tess Russell and the next president comes in and says the whole thing is a bunch of malarkey, didn't exist, it's all a bunch of silliness. Well, what does that say about you then? You're taking over the position of an organization that's built on a bunch of silliness, right? So consequently, Jehovah's Witnesses, like most cults, and they are, and incidentally they are referred to as York Rite cults in masonry, York Rite cults. This is why the Watch House Society moved to New York. New York is the old York, England, and the presence of the Knights Templars of old York, England, moved into America and called it New York. And they called New York the Empire State. Why? Because it's the state of the New York right Masonic Empire coming out of York, England and establishing their filthy, dirty system in our beloved country in New York. There is nothing dirtier or filthier on the earth, in my present opinion, than New York City. It's only topped by the Vatican. The entire Vatican banking, York right Masonic banking system Somebody needs to do their homework. Charles Tez Russell was financed out of London, England. The money was coming out of MI5 and MI6. The Mormon Church, Seventh-day Adventist, Worldwide Church of God, all of these are referred to as York Rite cults, financed, organized, directed out of London. Something's going on here. Again, that's a whole subject for another day. I could do three hours just on that one uh, study alone of the symbolism in the York Rite cults of America. The Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, Worldwide Church of God, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're all being financed by the same people. Thank you. Go on. Uh, Mr. Maxwell, um, you, can you tell us what the toga means in Freemasonry? You mentioned it, what it means in Roman, but can you mention what it oh, means yeah. in Freemason. Well, the toga was a symbol of a very highly respiritable man who God had used in the Roman Empire. The toga was a symbol in the Roman Empire of a prophet, a great holy man who had been used by God to inaugurate some great new era, some new dispensation. And that's why I think that's interesting that... Uh, that pyramid on the dollar bill, the Novas Ordo Seclorum, as the new order of the ages, the new world order. Mm -hmm. uh, I am just telling you that that symbol, new world order, on the dollar bill is a huge, enormous subject, which I have been working on for some 25 years. And one day I'm going to be able to put it into an eight-hour 
presentation where I show all of the words, the, ter the terms, the symbols of the new order, where it comes from, tying all of the secret societies and occult orders of the world behind the Knights Templars, bringing in what is referred to as the new age or the new order. It's an incredible story you are not going to believe. I will give you some tips real quick. Think about this. The high priest of the Sanhedrin and the ancient Jewish system, and the Sanhedrin was like our Supreme Court of the United States, the Supreme Court in the Jewish system of things, which uh, up, up until recently, up until 1948, was in Europe. In Europe, there was a, high, there was a court for the Jews, a world court for Jews in Europe. It changed and went directly to the state of Israel when Israel was set up in 1948. The Sanhedrin moved to Israel. But in the Sanhedrin, or the highest Jewish court in the world, the high priest of the Sanhedrin, or what we would call the chief uh, uh, magistrate of the court, in Hebrew is called Anasi, N-A-S-S-I or N-A-S-I. Look it up in a dictionary. N-A-S-I is the high priest of the Sanhedrin in Israel. But you will find that the Hebrew word N-A-S-I, Nasi, for the high priest of the high court of Jews, in Anglo-Saxon, look it up in a dictionary, will tell you it's correctly spelled in Anglo-Saxon, N-A-Z-I. Now we're talking Nazi. Nazi, Nazi, yes, it goes back to a root word, Naza, N-A-Z-A. Naza gives us the word Nazarite, Nazareth. No, Nazareth, there was no Nazareth in Jesus' day. We have to assume that Jesus would be born in the first century. But in the first 250 years, uh, there was no Nazareth. Nazareth only came into existence in the 3rd century in the, under the Roman Empire. So consequently, Jesus could not have been from Nazareth. There was no Nazareth. But there was a priesthood called the Nazarites, N-A-Z-A-R-I-T-E. But Naza, N-A-Z-A, Naza is connected to a root word, Maza, M-A-Z-Z-A, Maza, which gives us Mazaroth, Maseroth is a Jewish word for the Zodiac. Now, Maseroth, the Zodiac, is connected to Naza, or the Nazarites. Naza is connected to Nazi, N-A-S-I, the god of the Zodiac, which gives us N-A-Z-I, Nazis. And we know that Hitler was heavily involved in the study of the Zodiac and ancient occultism. Steven Spielberg has him and George Lucas have Indiana Jones looking for the, uh, the, the lost ark of, of uh, the Jewish lost ark. And he has Adolf Hitler looking for the lost ark. Why? Why does Hitler want the lost ark? Because it's Jewish. Because it's Nazi. It's because it's Nazi. It's a symbol. Then in, the, in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, it has uh, Sean Connery and Indiana Jones looking for the, the Christian symbol, which is the uh, cup of the grail, the Holy Grail. And where do they find the Holy Grail? They find the Holy Grail in the city of Petra, which is in the country of Jordan, 
go back and rent the movie and ask yourself, why would a man like Steven Spielberg, who is no fool, I know the research department at MKG, at um, SKG, I've been there, I know their research department at the studio. They are very astute in what they do. Steven Spielberg makes no mistakes in his movie. He knows what he's doing. And when he has Indiana Jones and Sean Connery, his father, finding the most important symbol of Christianity itself, the Holy Grail, the cup of Christ, he find, they find it in the temple of Petra, which is in the country of Jordan. You say, wait a minute. What is Steven Spielberg telling us? And who was looking for that, that cup of the Christ if it wasn't Adolf Hitler? Hitler's looking for it too. There's something going on here between Jewish, between Masonic, between Christianity, between Nazism. There's something huge going on on the world scope that most people can't even begin to realize what the name of the tune is. There's something big coming down, and it's coming soon. And the high priest of Judaism, they know what the name of the tune is. The Steven Spielbergs, the international banking cartels out of London, out of America, they know what the symbolism means. We are up against something you have no idea in the world how big it is, and it's been coming for a long time, and when it gets here, you are not going to believe what's coming on the face of the earth. These people mean business, and they are going to conquer the world, and bloodshed will be all over the world, and they're going to do it in the name of their God. And they're using the symbols coming out of Egypt, and I'm telling you, what we are faced in this country, what the Americans are facing today, you have no idea in the world who these people really are and what they're really doing. And it's all been there in symbols and emblems in the Bible and the research materials. All of it's there. The high priest of Judaism, they know what it is. The rabbis know. Simon Wiesenthal knows. It's just the poor Americans who haven't got the faintest idea in the world. We're just watching Bugs Bunny and Channel 7 News. That's all we know. It's going to be caused because of the overpopulation of the earth. We had 6 billion in the year 2000. We'll have 9 billion in the year 2050. Yeah, I, I, you have to appreciate what I'm saying, though, is that somebody else is in charge, not humans. Somebody else is in charge yes. on this earth, and they're not human. Yeah, they don't but they're here. us. I've heard that we are the aliens, these reptiles living under the earth are the earthmen. I would be a bit surprised. <laughs> I personally, it's my personal belief now, I personally believe that there are reptile aliens here but that's just my personal belief it has nothing to do with the fact that david ike talks about it because i'm the one that brought david ike to america so i i i, I believe that before i ever met david ike i personally believe that uh we're talking about uh, that that the, the idea that there are reptile aliens here it's just a belief but i personally believe that that's true and i have my reasons um i don't off the top of my head say I believe something just because it sounds good to me. No, I have a reason for saying it. I've done a lot of homework on that subject. Yeah, that's... You said uh, something changed during the uh, first... Uh, well, I guess, you know, to me, the Bible is um, 
very truthful. We had the first ecumenical council in the year 326. Yeah. Under ecumenical uh, council, yeah, it was called the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Turkey, so yeah. Uh, they changed it. There used to be uh, one more. The book, the Bible, at least the whole Old Testament, and maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had been written by that time in 326. Uh, not Emperor Julian. You know why there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Yeah. It's because of 12 apostles. You have to have four Gospels if you're going to have 12 apostles. Do you because know what I'm talking about? Did you catch what I just said? I couldn't catch it all. Okay, let me run it by you again. The reason why you have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is because you have 12 apostles. Yeah, they talk about Jesus. Is anybody following what I just said? Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, okay. The 12 apostles represent, as I said, the 12 signs of the zodiac or the 12 months of the year. This is why you had 12 jurors in a jury system. The 12 jurors helped God's son to bring the truth to light with the light of truth. The 12 brothers of Joseph, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 uh, symbols on the breastplate of the high priest, the 12 represented the 12 signs of the zodiac. That's why the sun and the first day of, and that's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, spring, summer, autumn, winter. We're talking about astrological symbolism. Those are four men that wrote about Jesus, though. Well, I'm just saying there are four different books of the Bible, and the reason why is they have many books, but Tertullian one of the early church fathers who chose the books to be put into the Bible said, you can only have four. Pick your four best because you're only going to have four. Why? You've got many, many books that could be put into the Bible, but Tertullian said you only have four. So pick four. And the reason why Tertullian said, because the four books of the Bible, the four books of the, uh, of the gospel, will represent the four seasons of the year. This is why when Leonardo da Vinci painted The Last Supper, the Last Supper which shows Jesus sitting in the middle, and you will see three of uh, the apostles talking to each other, three apostles talking to each other, three group and three group. They're, they're groups and threes, four groups, two on each side of Jesus. Yeah, spring, summer, autumn, winter. The three months of winter, the three months of autumn, the three months of summer, and the three months of spring. The twelve are the twelve signs of the zodiac, the twelve months of the year. And the twelve are dominated by God's Son, the light of the world, who brings light and intellectual, spiritual enlightenment into the world. That's why he's called God's Son, well, the light of the world. So what I'm saying is that Jesus is a metaphor, a symbolic metaphor for spiritual, intellectual enlightenment. Well, you were talking earlier like the New Testament was written around 1100 B.C., I mean A.D., and during the first... Um, crusade and i'm going to continue maybe the king james version was written for stuff that was yeah, started you know why in 1100 it, ad you know why the king james version is called the authorized version it's because it was the one authorized by king james for you to read he didn't tell you to go reading something he didn't tell you to read and if he catches you reading something he didn't tell you to read and it's not authorized you know it's gonna be your head he didn't authorize you to read something he didn't tell you. Who uh, who translated the King James Authorized Version? Uh, Rosicrucians and Freemasons. Yeah, and uh, 
And once you understand, wait a minute, the Bible is a Masonic book. Of course it's a Masonic book. And consequently, when you begin that. to understand, what is Masonry? Well, Masonry is the building of bricks. And that's consequently when you graduate from high school or graduate from college or university, you wear a square marker board. The square marker board is a marker board. And, and once we get on theology and religion, my God, this is a wonderful subject. How many people know that these symbols in Islam are taken directly out of the Old Testament Bible? And that Mecca, Mecca is the, the black cube of Freemasonry. Mecca is a black square. It's called the black cube. The Islamics call it the black cube. The Jews call it the black square. Yeah, Mecca. Yeah, but I'm saying that the most important symbol in Islam is a square building and is covered with black. Why? Because it's the black cube. What does a black cube mean? Look it up. The planet Saturn. Saturn was referred okay, to so as the black cube. so we went over cube. Saturn yesterday. The black square. This is why when the... The judge walks into the, the courtroom, everyone rises. Why? Because he's wearing a black robe. The black robe is the priest of Saturn. The black cube, he's went to college, university, the square black robe. Mm. The square black cube connects to the black robe of judges. This is why Catholic priests wear black robes. Jewish rabbis, black robes. You graduate from university and college, you wear black robes. Why? A black robe represents the ancient Jewish god, the Hebrew god, Saturn. Saturn was the god of the law. He was the inhibitor. Saturn was always the god who inhibits. He holds you back. The law will put you in jail. They'll teach you a lesson. You slow down. You back up and show respect because Saturn was the god of the black robe. He is the inhibitor who holds you back. So the ancient Phoenician Canaanite people, who we today call Jews, they were actually Phoenicians, the ancient Phoenician people said, well, since Saturn holds you back, and his name in the ancient Phoenician language, Saturn, was El, E-L. The house of El was a Temp El, so Jews still go to Temp El today. When do they go to Temp El? They go to on Saturn's day. You see the Jews going with the yarmulke, the, the, the Catholic yarmulke, going to Temp El today to worship the planet Saturn. Saturn was the inhibitor. That's why they don't do anything on Saturday. It's called the Shabbat or Sabbath. Look it up in a dictionary. You will find that Saturn was referred to as Shabbat. Shabbat becomes an Anglo-Saxon Sabbath. So the Sabbath was the worship of the planet Saturn, Lord of the Rings. They're still making movies about the God of the Jews, Lord of the Rings in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Wake up and get a life and understand that there's an enormous uh, amount of occult hidden knowledge that the masters who manipulate banks and governments around the world, these guys are brilliant with their stuff. Mm -hmm. And the old ancient system we call the Druidic system in Northern Europe and England, the Druids were very high priests. They were very powerful high priests. I've said this before. One of the most important symbols of the ancient Druidic religion, the ancient Druids, was the magic wand. M uh, Merlin the Magician with his magic wand. Remember Mickey Mouse with his magic wand? Magic wands were always made out of the wood of a holly tree. It was made out of Hollywood. They're still doing their magic in Hollywood, and we don't even understand what the word means. Hollywood is the wood of a holly tree. Holly is important to the Celtic Druids at Christmas time. Holly, wood. 
the magic of Hollywood, its Druidic, Jewish, Masonic symbolism. And then you begin to understand why MGM finally begins to dawn on you, why MGM has the roaring lion. That's right, the roaring lion is the sun in the constellation that begins summer. Summer begins in Leo, the constellation of Leo, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion king. He is king over the northern hemisphere and over the earth and over Europe. And the first day of summer, which is in the constellation of Leo, he's the lion king. They still make movies about it. The lion king is Leo, the sun, who dominates the world in the constellation of Leo. Consequently, for three months, he moves southward until he meets, until he crosses the equator. And at the time he crosses the equator, he now becomes Scorpio. And Scorpio brings what we call the fall. We bring fall in. Fall is the sun which was standing straight, and now he is falling. And he's falling so fast that he's just fell across the equator, and now he's going southward all the way down till he dies in Capricorn. He will die in Capricorn on December 22nd which is the day of the winter solstice. And for three days, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, the sun does not move. And the United States Navy will show you that the sun does not move on in. It does not move further south, and it does not come back north either. It comes up on the same uh, exact degree for three days, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. On the 25th, it moves one degree, the U.S. Navy will tell you it moves one degree northward which means it's come back to life and now it's going to begin its annual journey coming back to us to bring spring because he was dead now he's springing back to life he's going to come back to life and as he crosses over the equator the ancient egyptians said when you died you crossed over so consequently, you passed over from this life to the next. And we still say today, when someone dies, grandmother passed last night. Grandfather, grandfather passed away, or they passed on. But always the word is pass, which means death. Therefore, the son which died in winter, which was dead for three days and reborn on December 25th, has come back to life. And as it crosses the equator, we say he has passed over to from the death of winter to the new life of spring. And the ancient Egyptians, a thousand years before Hebrews ever existed, worshipped something called the Passover. The Passover is simply the sun passing over the equator, coming back to the northern hemisphere to begin become the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when it passes over the equator on the Passover, and the ancient Egyptian calendar was in the constellation of Virgo, so God's son is born of a virgin, and he becomes king of kings and of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Virgo is one of the constellations of spring. Wake up. The entire thing is astral theology. Why is it that Judas went out to kiss Jesus? Remember when the, 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 the authorities were wanting to arrest him and Judas went out and kissed Jesus? And Christians will tell you, well, Judas went out to kiss Jesus to identify him. Logic alone would tell you that's ludicrous. 
You're not talking about Jesus living in a town like the south of Chicago. We're not talking about L.A. down in like Santa Monica. We're talking about a little Mickey Mouse uh, fruitcake city uh, and the ancient Roman Empire that you could walk across in 15 minutes. A little tiny little Mickey Mouse town in the Middle East where everybody knows everybody. There's only 300 people in the whole city to start with. And everybody knows everybody. So why would you need a man to go out and kiss another man in public to identify? It doesn't say that. They already knew who he was. Even the Caesar in Rome knew who he was. They don't care where he is. They know where he is. There's only 300 people in the town. Everybody knows where he is. He's out there in the, in the garden at Gethsemane. We know where he is. What are you going out kissing a man? What should you got one man going out and kiss another one? It doesn't. It's because the Bible doesn't say that, that Judas went out to kiss Jesus to identify. It says he went out and kissed him to betray him, not identify. What are you talking about? It's because Scorpio, the first constellation of fall, is a scorpion. And in the Middle East, when a scorpion bites you, unlike North America, scorpions have two stingers, one on top of the other. When they sting you in the Middle East, they're deadly. So the ancient Egyptians and the ancient peoples in the Middle East said that you just got the kiss of death. They just kissed you off. So consequently, the cut on the skin when a scorpion bites you looks like human lips. And the ancient people said, you got the kiss of death. So therefore, God's son, who was really hot. Yeah, he's hot because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the most powerful presence of God's son is in summer. But now he is falling. And in the first week of fall, Scorpio gives God's son the kiss of death. And now he will go to his death and in, in winter and he will die for three days and on December 25th he will be born again and come back over the equator and we celebrate today the Passover and it just by chance happens in the first week of spring and of course Christians will then say well yeah but that's a Jewish holiday that's alright but it's a Jewish holiday we don't have nothing to do with that so we will say that God's son is resurrected let's say that you know, he's come back to life I don't give a damn what you call it. You're coming back to life, passing over, coming back to... What are you talking about? Yeah, the sun's coming back to life. So it's the resurrection. What do you mean resurrection? Yeah, the thing is resurrected. It was dead in the winter, now it's coming back in the spring. If you want to understand this, very simple. On the first day of spring, or the two weeks before spring, go to all the Christmas... I mean, go to all the cards, the companies that sell uh, greeting cards. Go to any of the big greeting card companies, and you will see uh, the, the Passover. Go look at all the Passover cards that the Jews send each other. They all say the same thing, the Passover, the coming of spring, the Passover. God is bringing back the, the sun to, uh, to, to for spring, and we should all be happy. I said, what is going on here? Even the Jews, uh, even, the, uh, even the greeting cards are telling you, this is just spring. It's just a Passover. Come on, give me a break here. It's an incredible uh, when you understand what the name of this tomb is. We talk about Yahweh. People use the word Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahweh. You know what Yahweh means in Hebrew? Has anybody ever even bothered to look what the word Yahweh means? Let me tell you what Yahweh means. 
If you take a hose and bend the hose at the, at the nozzle and turn on the water, you feel the power building up, the pressure building up. When you release the hose, the water does not pour out, it blows out. Why? Because it was under pressure, kinetic energy was under pressure, ready to be released. And therefore, when you release the hose, it blows out. Blowing out or the release of dynamic energy in, in the Latin is damas, autonomous. It goes back to the word, and our word, dynamite. Dynamite is a releasing of dynamic energy, domas. Damas is a release of energy. Damas, domas comes from the word Yahweh. It can be traced back to Yahweh. Yahweh was the sex act. The male releasing his creative father's image into the female was called Yahweh. This is why Jewish astronomers tell us that the universe came into existence through a big bang. And I'm saying, why doesn't somebody wake up and do their homework and find out? As I talked to the rabbis, and I said, yeah, okay, so, so what? Yeah. And I asked rabbis, I said, is it true? I mean, tell me the truth. Was there an Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Was there a Moses and a King Solomon? And the highest ranking rabbi, this is back in 1965, in Newton, Massachusetts, head of the American Rabbinical Association, or whatever it was, he says to me on the phone, no, he says, oh, the Bible's just a story. It's called the greatest story ever told. It's a story. Wake up. It's just a story. But it's an encoded metaphysical story mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an encoded symbolic story that's telling you something right. and you ain't getting it yet because remember there's only kind of there's only two kind of people in the world those who get it and those who don't and most people they don't get it and that's why we're crawling on our knees in america and and trying to stay alive while our masters are raping this country and raping us is because we don't get it yet we don't understand the symbols and the words and the terms and how this stuff works. Uh, you know, they have something called the, uh, the celebration of spring, as I said. The celebration of spring in the Phoenician Canaanite system. Today we call it Israel and Lebanon. But Israel and Lebanon thousands of years ago was referred to as Cana. And so they had the celebration of spring in Cana just the way they had the celebration of spring everywhere. They had the celebration of spring everywhere. We do too. And consequently, there was a spring. They called the celebration of spring in the land of Cana. They called it the marriage feast of Cana. So God's son is at the marriage feast of Cana. Wake up. It's a symbol. You know? And so what is, it, what is the symbolism telling us? The marriage feast of Cana was quite simply Mother Earth, Mother Nature, as God's son to draw water. That's what it does. It draws water. So it can rain on the grapes, and we smash the grapes and make wine, so we turn water into wine. Wake up. It's a symbolism for summer, for, for spring. This is why, but you cannot have, understand, okay. you cannot I have, have God the Father. This is why we have. Um, I have to post this. It's full, or else I'll lose it.